This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Kind Parenting Company podcast. I'm Jackie Ward. And I'm Kylie Camps. Join us as we explore topics and share evidence-based information, all while honoring our commitment to kind parenting practices. This is a safe space for conversation and reflections on parenting and motherhood, designed to best support you in raising your little loves and to be the parent you want to be. We are so excited that you're here. Let's jump into today's episode. Julie, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to have this chat with me. Prepping for school success is a topic that I am forever getting questions about. And I'm so excited that you've written a whole book on this topic and you're really, really passionate about it. So thank you and welcome. Thank you, Kylie. I think, yeah, it is very important. And I I was getting the same questions as a teacher and a parent. So, yeah, I think... It is important for everyone to hear it. Absolutely. So before we dive into prepping for school success, I want to make it really clear for our listeners that we are talking about how to best prepare little ones for their first year at school. So in New South Wales, we call that kindy. In Queensland, it's prep, and I think it's foundation in other states. Um, But just that first year at school is specifically, I guess, what we're talking about, that bridging between either being at daycare or at home and then going to school for those five days a week. Yeah. Awesome. So first things first. For those parents who might be a little bit on the fence with knowing whether or not their little ones are ready for school, what are some of the telltale signs, in your opinion, that indicate they might be ready or perhaps it might be best to keep them back for another year? Yeah, I think um, sometimes parents are worried if their child is born maybe in June. um, With the school year going off, they have to be um, for by the 1st of July. Um, and they're thinking their child, oh, they're, they're on that borderline or sometimes even it's not sexist, but sometimes boys are a bit um, socially, emotionally not as um, ready as the girls. And I think it's really child by child basis. You really have to go off um, whether you think your child is ready and you can get those indicators from seeing them with other children their age, um, if they're in a daycare setting or a um, pre-kindy kind of setting, talking to their teachers about that. Um, and if their teachers have any concerns, I mean, it's a lot easier for them to do two years before they get to school. So whether it's two years in um, kindy or a pre-kindy or a daycare kind of setting, um, just giving them that extra year, it's a lot less noticeable than when they get to school. Um, and some of the times schools don't let you repeat Um, prep or kindy or foundation Um, it can go on school by school basis so if you are really unsure and you've talked to their teachers and 
other parents with children your child's age and things like that, um, I would definitely recommend just giving them another year. Uh, and sometimes maybe they can read really well or they, they're interested when you're reading to them or they're looking at books or they're trying to write their name, but they might not be ready socially or emotionally. They're um, big things as well because if they don't have those things, if they're not ready and they can't, it's hard for them to sit and listen and interact with other kids and deal with their emotions. Um, it's hard for them to go to school and there's, it's really difficult for the teachers to work on the academic side when the emotional and social side isn't quite ready yet. And they are still young. They come to school. So little. Oh, they're so tiny. And they're, they're four at school. And you just think, yeah, if they need that extra year, give them that extra year. And they, it's just a lot easier. And friendship-wise as well, um, once they start at school and they repeat a year, they see all their friends going on the next year of school and it, they notice it a lot more. So I think it's, um, it's less noticeable if you do give them that extra year before they start school, if they need it. And, um, yeah, I think there's a few different people you can talk to about that. I mean, even on um, my website I've put up some developmental milestones. It's a bit of a checklist. So when they're four years old or three years old, you can kind of see what things should you be seeing them doing physically and socially, emotionally, and um, even some academic things on there. But just using that as a bit of a guide, I wouldn't say and go, oh, I have to tick this off as a checklist. And if they can't do all things, I definitely can't send them to school. Um, it's not like that. But you can kind of get an idea of what things your child should be doing at that age. And if there's a really big gap, maybe um, they're six months or a year behind things they should be doing, well, then, yeah, it might be something to consider just keeping them in daycare or kindy or, yeah, that extra year. I think that's such helpful yeah. advice, Julie, because so many people – agonize over this choice and it feels like such a big decision and of course it is because it's your child but if you do have the option like if you're concerned and you're thinking oh you know in one of those areas whether it's emotional social or academically they're just not quite there I yeah. love that clear advice in saying you know what it's not going to do them any harm to keep them back before they get to school. And in fact, it would probably be trickier if they go to school and they're not quite there. So I think that's oh, really, definitely. really helpful sound advice. Yeah, because I have, sorry, just one example. I have yeah, seen go for it. Um, a few kids where the parents have um, even said, oh, it's cheaper for them to go to school. Like daycare is so expensive. It's cheaper mm. to get them into school. And they just really weren't ready. Um, and then every year they're just playing catch up like they're just and they find the learning hard and they everything just seems to be hard and each year they're trying to catch up but the years just move along and they fall back each year and I think they just develop that negative mindset where I'm not good at school I don't like school it's hard whereas yeah all of that could have been avoided if they just were yeah sent to school mm -hmm. when they were actually yeah that's such a good point because there is, of course, the financial implication of if your little one's attending daycare and it's like, oh, it will, would be financially easier on the family if they were at school. But as you just said, I imagine then you end up paying for it in other ways, you yeah. know, paying for it in terms of at, at the cost of them struggling or, you know, you know, those other things that you mentioned there. So that's a great point. Um, now, when it comes to choosing a school, and I think this is such a big question and it's, it's a really personal one because we all have different priorities. But what advice would you give to parents who are, are wanting some guidance on how to choose the best school for their son or daughter? 
Yeah, and I think it, it is a hard question. I remember even though I was in a school and wondering what's what was going to be the best for my daughter when she went through and and you're really you're really hard on yourself because you don't want to make the wrong decision and you've got to sometimes you've got to choose very early on because the wait lists on school sometimes your child might only be one or two or three and you're kind of trying to work out what school you want them to get in already which is kind of ridiculous but if it's a popular school or in a high kind of area yeah it does I remember um when my daughters turned one I had them enrolled for their first kindy or preschool kind of things um just so they would get into where I wanted them to go um so I think sometimes if you're wanting them to get into a school and you haven't been there yourself or you don't know anyone else that's been to that school you actually need to go in there, maybe meet with the principal or meet with someone who can give you a bit of a tour. And I think you can really, it sounds a bit strange, but really get a vibe for a school once you actually go in there and you actually see the teachers talking to the children or you see the children in the playground and you can just, yeah, you can see it on their faces. You can see it in the way they interact, um, the environment, whether it feels inviting, whether there's like heaps of shady areas or heaps of fun stuff for the kids to do. Um, feeling of what attracts you to the school what kind of things do you think yeah your child would enjoy there um you can even look on their websites and things like that and look at what are their core values and are these the same as yours um whether it's you want them in a state school a religious school a private school um checking out the values and seeing if this is what you want for your child and your family um Uh, The best way, I guess, is if you know parents already at the school, currently in the school, you can get that first-hand info um, and you want to hear the positives and the negatives. So every school has positives and negatives, no matter how good or bad they are. So I think you need to hear both sides. Um, Some parents can fall in love with a school and it's really good for them. It's hard to know if that's going to suit you and your family as well. So I think just getting yeah the good and bad points and going from there and really talking about it with your partner I know with my husband it's just kind of like you're the teacher this is yours off you go and we really had to well no this is our children and is this going to work for us and um and a lot of the times it can just be based on your catchment area so if you're close to the school or um some parents go for if it's near home or near work for pickups to make it easier um Cost can even be a factor. Um, friends, if you've got um, family friends or um, in their little play groups that they might be going to schools that you want them to have someone they know when they get there. Um, I think there's a lot of different ways you can decide, but I think um, I would suggest the best ways would be if you can talk to people that are already in that school and if you can actually get into the school and have a bit of a tour and yeah, yeah, get a vibe absolutely. for the place. Yeah, Abs- absolutely. <laughs> I am such a big believer in going and having a look at schools, walk around the schools, go in there, speak to the teachers. I mean, it's a little bit different now with COVID. Oh, yeah, makes um, it a bit tricky. It makes it a bit tricky. So I'm unsure, you know, by the time, hopefully, you know, when people are listening to this, obviously take into consideration the covid pandemic and the regulations and whatnot but in my experience when i was looking at schools i was really really apprehensive because i had such a um 
I don't know, I was so worried about how the boys would go at school and a lot of that was just from my own experience at school that I was really leaning more towards wanting to keep them home until they were like seven or eight. But I made a commitment because obviously I'm not the only parent that I would go and have a look at all of the schools and kind of just try and be a bit more objective with what options we had. And so I spent a day, a morning going to all of the schools that were, you know, close enough that I felt would work with our lifestyle. So that's a big one, as you mentioned, for parents to consider, you know, logistically, do they, can they do the drop off and the pick up and those things? So I went around to all of the schools that I felt were realistic for us. And, you know, I went into one and it a hard no for me just for a couple of reasons and the next one was the next one was nice but um you know we weren't quite in the catchment and then the next you know so on so forth but I walked into the school Julie and I kid you not I walked in and I was like oh like every part of me just (laughs) relaxed like my shoulders came down from up under my ears and yeah there there was a gentleman sitting out the front of this school and I was having a chat to him and he was really relaxed and I thought he was perhaps the groundskeeper and it turned (laughs) out he was the principal and (laughs) it was just such a nice experience that when I left that school I cried on the drive home because I was like oh I didn't realize how worried I was about finding somewhere that I loved for them, but it was such a beautiful vibe. The staff were nice. I had a chance to speak with the teachers. And when I was speaking with the teachers, you know, I was asking things like, what's their approach to teaching? What's their approach to discipline? How do they yes. handle, co- how do they handle conflict? Um, what's the teacher turnover like? And so having those questions answered really provided me with so much more comfort and reassurance. And I think that's what parents are lacking because this is, it's a big step to send your babies to school. Like it's oh, definitely. freaking huge. So to actually speak to the teacher and go, oh, okay, this teacher has here for X amount of years, or even if they're new, but you know, they have intentions on staying here. It just provides. Yeah, I love that. I love that idea of that teacher turnover because if the teachers are happy and they've been there for a long time, something's going right. I mean, yes, that's yes. a very good indicator. Yeah, I'm glad you said that one too. And so when parents do find the school that they're going to choose for their family, how can they then prepare their little four-year-olds? <laughs> so little, yeah, I know, um, they're tiny. And when they get their uniforms on, my goodness. <laughs> oh, like, I know, and this school bag is about as big as them. Oh, the school bag, it's ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, how can parents begin to prepare their little ones best for this big transition? Yes, that's a good one. And I think so many parents worry about academically. They can't write their name. They don't know all the letters. They're not um, understanding when we're reading books and those kind of things. It's just when they, yes, we have to do some pre-learning and things like that with them before they get to school, but teachers teach them how to write their name they can teach these things it's more important that your children come to school and they can actually function in the classroom and in the playground because that kind of stuff takes a lot longer and if um I guess yeah as a teacher's job we can teach the academic stuff um but if they can come having some of that social emotional um readiness already that's a big plus I think like emotionally um, how does your child deal with separation? So if they're going to daycares and things at the moment, um, how are they going with this? Is it a struggle every day and they're crying and pulling at your heartstrings every time you drop them off? And 
um, maybe we need to need to try other things and leave them with um, other trusted adults you have for a bit of time. I think the worst thing um, we can do is if our child is struggling with separation is to avoid it. Um, it just makes it more difficult. So I think we realise that, yeah, they're going to be going to school and I do they do have to be able to separate from me, so um, working on that with them. So emotionally as well, um, being able to deal with their strong emotions and it's hard, they're four, they, they get all the emotions. Sometimes they get every single emotion at once and they come mm-hmm. out as tantrums and behaviour problems and this is just normal for their age. Um, but just giving them little strategies that can work and they can try at school as well like yeah it's okay to be frustrated giving them that language but when we're frustrated no we can't throw our shoe at our brother and things like that but it's okay to be frustrated but what can we do when we're frustrated maybe maybe yeah we need to run around the yard a bit or go and color in something or just go and sometimes I just need to scream in my pillow or something like that but just giving all just giving them the language for all those different emotions that they can have as well as showing them yeah the appropriate ways to handle all the um, actions that come with them so emotionally I guess um socially whether they can just practicing with them turn taking and sharing and being able to actually play with others and um, listen to other kids and other adults other than yourself if you're the main caregiver and if you're with them all the time and maybe they're not at daycare giving them that experience of um, maybe you can get them in a play group or go to different things where they have to listen to different adults and they have to as well as speaking I guess because some parents they can understand their child but it's difficult for other people too so um, getting that experience of listening and speaking to other adults and even physically um, is a big thing as well we notice a lot of kids come to school and they might have trouble holding the pencil or the scissors or the glue and sometimes it surprises me how many kids come and they've just never held a pair of scissors before um, and it's such a tricky little um, concept to learn. There's so many steps involved and have they got the right fingers in? Is is um, their dominant hand holding the scissors while their um, other hand is holding the paper and we hold the scissors still and it's the paper that moves around, not the scissors. And just there's so many little points and I think if they um, come to school and they've had experience with pencils and scissors and glue and Play-Doh and all those things, they're just a lot more confident. It's just I think they come and... There's so much to learn when they get to school. If they can have some of these things already, it's not so overwhelming for them because the teacher says we're going to draw, we're going to, oh, I need to hold this pencil properly and hold my paper properly and all these kind of things without even actually getting to the activity that they need to do. So Mm -hmm. I think if we can have some of those things so they can go to school feeling more confident that, oh, yeah, I can talk to different people or um, I can play with other people or if um, I'm asked to glue something or paint something, I know I know what I need to do. Um, even so the gross motor things, the running, jumping, just getting out there and practising those things um, physically as well, just the being able to dress, undress themselves, the uniforms, they usually have buttons and zips and so many little things. <laughs> Goodness. They come from just wearing a T-shirt and shorts or chucking a dress on all the time to having so many things to worry about. So just that practice of those little things and even toileting, you think, I don't know, when my kids were younger, just they would go into the toilet with me, but then they get to school and they have to know how to um, unlock and lock themselves in a toilet stall and just giving them practice with those kind of things that, I don't know, you don't think about at the time until they get there and 
they're worried about going to the toilet and some kids don't use the toilet all day at school because they're worried that they will get locked in it or they can't get out of it or what's going to happen when they're in there. So I think um, there's a lot of things that we can do before they get to school to kind of um, get rid of all those worries they might be having so that when they get to school, oh, I, they have that confidence, I can do this. I've done this before. This is not something new. Um, yes, building that independence <laughs> and that skill set. Oh, yeah. and I, I love what you said about having less focus on the actual academic side of things, you know, like don't worry so much if they don't know their ABCs or they don't, you know, know how to spell their names or know their, you know what I mean? Like those those sorts of things. It's the actual reality of going, your child is going to be one of many more children. They're going to be in a setting where they have to be a bit more independent. And so in that, you know, year or six months before school exposing them to more adults I think is such a good tip Julie and it's one that I wish I had probably focused on a bit more with my two boys because I realized once they started going to school because they had a male principal and a male um like support teacher who they're both brilliant in particular the support teacher he is like phenomenal but at first my kids did not know how to speak with these men because the only interaction they'd had with adult men was with their dad like because yeah. they didn't have you know close other adult male figures other than my dad in their life at that time really and so I wish that you know I mean I don't lose sleep over it but hearing you speak yeah. now I think yeah that's something that could have prepared my two for school better would be having more interactions with adults um in the lead up because yes, obviously they can bond with their one teacher, but there are other teachers in the playground who are going to be on duty or in charge of whatever it might be. So just that confidence in having them connect and communicate with different adults. And even when they start school now, and I know my daughter, when she was in her first year at school, she had, so her classroom teachers and then the teacher aides were in there, but then she had a technology teacher, a Japanese teacher, a library teacher, a HPE teacher, and oh, what was the other one? There were so many. It was ridiculous. I, I think we wrote down there was a, like the tuck shop lady, and I think by the end there was about 11 um, teachers' names that she mm. was going to interact with in the school that we had to talk about and what their roles were. And, yeah, it's just it's yeah, you think they just need to know their teacher, but there's so much more in there. Well, even in the lead up to um, our boys going to school, they were going to family daycare and the family daycare teacher that they had was brilliant. She's I've done podcasts with her as well. She's incredible. And one of the things that she was saying to me was, okay, like to get you two ready for school, Kylie, they need to be packing their bags. (laughs) You know, they've got to know that they can zip up the backpack. They've got to know that they've got to put their hat back. They have to know how to open and close their lunch boxes. Um, Yes. And the toilets is another good one because, yeah, like even now when we go to a public toilet, often the – I mean, they're nearly seven, so they will go into their own store, but – up until the last kind of six months, they'll just come in with me and I shut the door. So it's like. Yeah, you don't even think about it. Yeah, you don't even think (laughs) about a lot of the time being like, this is how you shut the toilet door. This is how you rip off toilet paper if it's a different dispenser. Um, You know, those sorts of things. Yeah, even the the drink taps at school, like my daughter couldn't press the bubblers like to get the water out of the taps at school. So just 
different things like that or using like practicing with their water bottle and like you said all the containers so they know they're confident that they can actually have water and food during the day and not need to have someone's help to do it Mm, I love that it's so so important so just like the building connections with other adults practicing separating because like you said they will have to separate from you so just building up a little bit of resistance to that in the lead up to school in a safe way Um, and then practicing the actual you know it's just I guess problem solving so really encouraging problem solving before they actually begin at school yeah I do a lot of um I call them like little social stories like the what ifs like I talk with my daughter about so what if you lose your hat at school? What are you going to do? She goes, oh, I'd be so sad. I would be crying. I'm like, yeah, you would be. But then what are you going to do after that? Oh, mm-hmm. um, well, then I, my friends could help me. Yeah, they could. And then what? Oh, I could probably talk to the teacher. Yeah. And what would you say to her? So just having all those little what ifs because when they lose their hat or their library bag or their lunchbox, that is the end of the world to them. There's no coming back from that for some of these <laughs> kids. And you just, I think just getting it in perspective for them and what, and using, getting them to put it in their language. Like it's very easy for you to say, oh, if you lose your hat, go to the teacher. But if your child is a bit shy or is that's not something that they're going to do, um, you really need to hear from them what kind of things that they would come up with and what are appropriate. Yeah, you might cry, you might do this, but what are you going to do from there? And I think, yeah, just getting them to voice it and know things are going to happen. Or like at school, somebody might push you over or somebody might be mean to you and those things are going to happen. But what are you going to do when that does happen? Um, yeah, I'll, I will yell at them and I'll push them back. Well, you could do that, but is that going, what's going to happen then? Oh, then I, yeah, I'll probably get in trouble as well. Yeah. So what, what could we do instead of that? And just, yeah, getting them to think through some things so that, they're not so shocked when it actually happens to them at school. So, yeah, I think those a lot of those little what-ifs. That is yeah. such a powerful <laughs> exercise and that's one that I do with the boys too, Julie. But I also yeah. do that myself as an adult who sometimes has anxiety and even when, you know, girlfriends of mine are having fear pop up around certain decisions we will play the what if game so so what if that happens and then what if and then what if and it's really just taking the mystery out of it and I guess encouraging problem solving so I think that that's such a powerful thing for our listeners to take away from this chat today is to have those conversations with your kids and keep having them not just in the prep before school but each year you know what if this happens what if that happens Um, that's so right and if they can talk to you about all this little stuff now they'll be confident in talking um the big stuff with you later so I think if you can have those little conversations and they can talk about their problems and how we can deal with it when it comes to what we see as real problems as they're getting a bit older and they'll feel more confident coming to us with them and um having us to help them through them absolutely and also too I love that you spoke about the importance of giving them words and also safe actions they can take when they are feeling overwhelmed you know like yes if you know you're feeling frustrated or this is anger or this is that that's something that we've always been really really big on and that's mean that's one of the foundations of our toddler life program is to help parents to give their kids those emotional pathways and those touchstones because it does it makes the biggest difference if your child can say I feel angry I feel frustrated versus them just having that total meltdown where everything yes. goes, for lack of a better expression, to complete shit. 
And, yes. <laughs> you know, if you can help them to verbalize it, it's going to be such a great skill when they go to school. Yeah. And I think um, we take them for granted sometimes how good they are at these kind of things. And I know my daughter, she can, she works on her self-regulation now and she can start to feel she's getting a bit hotter, her heart's going a bit faster and those kind of things. They can, um, yeah, work on, okay, I might be getting a bit angry now. I might be getting a bit frustrated and she might tell me, yeah, mum, I can feel it. I can feel it inside my body and she might tell me where it is, but only because we have talked about it so much that so she can kind of um, self-regulate now. She can feel it coming on or those kind of things. And it's just, yeah, um, just doing it with them constantly, I think. Uh, it's so refreshing to hear you speak about this stuff, Julie. I think that a lot of our listeners will be like, this is just that it's so important to focus on the emotional intelligence because if we don't have, you know, um, a connection to emotional intelligence and an understanding of the value of it, then they're not going to get to that point where they can also, like you said, learn. Yeah. You can't, it's, yeah. I think the saying of you can't really teach them until they're ready to learn and being ready to learn is emotionally, socially, and there's no point in trying to sit them down and teach them all these things if they're just not ready. Yeah. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And so we did touch on separating and drop-offs being tricky for daycare and things like that. In your experience, what do you think is you know, the best practice, which can be broad because everyone's so different, but yes. one of the best practices for handling drop-offs. Yeah, I think there's a few little things that can work. And like you said, everyone's very different, but um, we call it like the pulling off a Band-Aid approach. So it's short and sweet. You don't need um, routine, whatever it is for you. Maybe it's one kiss, one hug, see you after school. Um, and I think um, if you, it is getting dragged out, it's harder for you, it's harder for them, it's harder for the teacher, it's just harder around if you're still there and all the other parents are gone and you're looking upset and kids really, they're intuitive and they pick up on what you're feeling. So if you're looking a bit worried or you're hanging around or you're a bit anxious, well, that's going to go on to them as well and they might be thinking, why are they leaving me here? What's wrong with this place? Why, why are they so worried to leave me here? Um, so I think we need to... And even if we're not, we have to put on that happy face and we're happy for the, them to go here and on the way to school, it's all happy and we might have fun music playing in the car and silly little games and we'll chat and laugh and we'll do that right up to drop off and we'll say, see you later, have a great day and I'll see you after school and those kind of things. And even if we're not feeling it, we just put on a bit of a show because we want we want them to feel good when they come to school. And I think having that positive whether it's in the car, on the way to school, walking to school, whatever it might be, um, just having that little positive routine just gets them in that positive mindset for the day. They've had a good morning, they're off because you can, I know on the opposite side, there are days when you're rushing and you're yelling and you might start off as, get in the car, come on, let's go. And by then you're like, get in the car, what's happening? <laughs> I said it. Oh, 
you just turn into this crazed monster like I cannot eat um but yeah I think if you can start the day off positive and they're happy and yeah they can see that you're okay leaving them here um and kids do pull out your heartstrings I mean they can be crying and screaming and holding onto your leg and the teacher's prying them off but I think just to be assured that about five minutes after you're gone they're fine they're playing they're doing everything that the other kids are doing um and obviously if your child is really struggling in those for in that first week and you're seeing this and it's you're kind of saying oh you're kind of noticing my child's doing this more than other children you might have a little thing with the teacher where she just sends you a text after an hour to let you know or sends you a photo of your child playing after half an hour or something just to reassure you that that it's okay they've settled in and that little show was all just for you um and I think on the other side as well like some kids do have genuine separation anxiety and some parents have that anxiety about leaving their children so I think um there's a lot of little things like this we can do but it's really working out what works for your child um the teachers can do little things like they might have special jobs um, for your child to do when they get to school so they take that focus off and um, I wouldn't recommend sneaking off or things like that just let them know we're going now they know that because you don't want them to turn around and freak out that you're gone and they didn't know that was coming um, but just yeah they've separated from you and they've got something special they can be doing it might just be cleaning up the books in the book corner or putting everyone's names out or whatever it might be um, I know a couple of times I did with my daughter it's called um, they're just hard on the hand and just with a little pen, I would draw a heart on her hand and a heart on my hand and just say to her, every time you're missing mummy or we're missing each other, we're just going to press on this little heart and then we'll know we're thinking of each other. And then at the end of the day, um, she would always tell me how many times she had pressed it. It might be, I, I pressed it eight times today for you. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I pressed mine 12 times today and I felt you thinking of me. Um, so you can do little things like that to make it a bit special if they're finding it a little bit harder. But, yeah, they're... I think pulling off a Band-Aid, short and sweet, and, yeah, just a positive morning routine, yeah. Couldn't agree more, especially with the positive morning routine. And um, I have definitely done the little hand on the hearts or matching tattoos, um, yeah. things like that have been really helpful. Also, there's, I mean, obviously I would encourage our audience to grab your book there's also the um, a book called Hey Warrior, and I've done a podcast with Karen Young, um, and she took the exact same philosophy as you, Julie, in terms of short and sweet because yes. the longer you draw it out, the impending threat is still there. So we're keeping our kids stuck in this cycle of heightened anxiety because it's still coming, whereas yes. if you push them through that barrier, it builds resistance quicker. Um, and, of course, there are exceptions to that, and I will put my hand up and say the boys' first year of school, I was that mum who was like, I'll go when you say I can go. Um, and, you know, like I felt like that was definitely the right thing at the time. And I think that we're always learning. But um, the the tattoo, the hand on the the tattoo, the Hey Warrior book is great because it teaches it's kids an awesome, about yeah, their amazing. amygdala. Yeah. And also the invisible string. Oh, it's just, which, you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, yes. <laughs> I love the invisible string. Yes. And these are just, you know, books that you can read at home to really foster that idea that, you know, you're always connected with your primary care and they will always come back for you. Um, but it is often just a case of day in, day out, repeating until they get it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, which is tough. And 
like you said, sometimes you do have to fake it. Like the amount of times I've been like, yep, yep, yep. And then I've got tears running down to my face, you know, running down my face as I walk <laughs> towards the car or I pull out of the store and I'm like, oh my gosh, because it does. Uh, it's so, it's like such an emotional thing. Um, yes, it is. And they make you feel terrible and you're just like, why, why am I doing this to my child? Like what? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's brutal. But also, like you said, sometimes, you know, having a chat with a teacher, and it could just be as simple as, you know, okay, well, when little Johnny arrives, the teacher's going to say, Johnny, I've been waiting for you. Could you put these books in that bucket for me? You know, yeah. and it's just and that they simple just, task. Yeah. yeah, and I've said that to them. Oh, my special little helpers here. I've been waiting for you all morning. Come and do. And they got to put the sticks on everyone's table. Like it just random things, but they know they're in their safe place. Mum's going now or dad's going now and it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yes. And kids love to feel helpful. We had a bit of a plan with our two and they were struggling with drop-offs in the first couple of months of instead of dropping them to the classroom, we would drop them to the library and the librarian would welcome them in and same sort of thing. All right, boys, I need you to help me put the pens out on all of the tables. And sometimes it worked brilliantly, other times not so much, but (laughs) at least it was a plan. Yeah, you have to have something, something up your sleeve because, yeah, things, things can go wrong and your kid might be fine one day and then not the next. So it's just you have to really take it day by day and even what works one day is not going to work the next day. So I think as parents, as caregivers, we just need um, all these different tricks up our sleeve and I think just having all these strategies that you, you can pull out at any one time. Yeah. And you spoke about the connection there about having a great routine and also a positive trip to school. How else can parents foster a positive home and school connection? Yeah, I think it's super important. I think um, obviously our main goals in life, we want our children to be happy um, and we want them to be successful. I mean, and for most of us, I think happiness comes first, um, but we do want them to succeed in life. And I think if there is that good homeschool connection and it flows on nicely, there's a smooth transition from one environment to the other, kids succeed immensely. Like it's ridiculous when they actually can see their parents or their caregivers or anyone that they're taking an interest in what they're doing, or maybe it's a bit hard um, if we're going through COVID times. Uh, But if there's times when we can get into the school and maybe we can help out. And that's not always, um, it might be our time. Maybe we're volunteering for different things or maybe we're donating things to the school or we've got certain skills where we can do things at home and bring them into the school. Um, But I think if kids can see us, and I know um, if we're busy a lot of the time, it might be a grandparent or an auntie or an uncle, but if they can see people in the school, I know it's, it's very hard, but if they're getting a special award or if they have a sports day or things like that, if they can see someone there, they look up and they can see that familiar face, um, it's so important for them. And I think um, trying to have that positive homeschool connection as well, keeping open communication with your um, child's teacher, just even things like if you're not getting much feedback, just approaching them or emailing them and Um, finding out what things can they work on. There's always something they can be improving on. So what kind of things are they noticing? Or um, I would say just little check-ins. Don't be that parent that's in the the teacher's face all the time. Um, But, yeah, they do want to know 
um, what you're thinking and whether there's little things that uh, maybe you could be doing at home as well. And I think just being honest with the teachers as well, they work out very quickly what um, the children are like anyway. So I think it's best just to be honest straight up at the beginning and it saves a lot of wasted time. Like if you are in term one and you're starting your first year of school and you're telling the teacher, oh, yeah, they're fine. Oh, they had heaps of friends in kidney and it was all fine. They'll be great. And then they get there and the teachers work out pretty quickly that that's not so true and they actually need a little bit of help with this and um, they can help them out with those kind of things. So I think, yeah, you really got to see it as your partners in this and they're only at school for, I guess, five, six hours a day or whatever and there's a lot more hours that you have than where you can be doing stuff at home. So I think keeping that contact and then your children as well are seeing that uh, mum, dad, the teachers are in contact so I can't be doing one thing at school and one thing at home and they're not going to know about it. They're, they're like a joint, they're your anointed front and, um, yeah, they're kind of getting it from both angles. And I think as well that homeschool connection, if, you're, if you have like little rules and consequences and those kind of things at home, they're not so shocked when they get to school and they have rules and consequences there as well and they just realise that this is world works and I can't always be first or get my own way or if I um, make a bad choice and if I do hurt someone these things are going to happen so I think having that um, yeah it's just similar from home and school and um, I think as well if you're talking about school or the teachers at home in front of your child just to be keep it positive um, there are going to be times when you don't like the teacher or you think they have no idea what they're talking about or you can't believe they said that or did they even go to uni or you might be thinking these kind of things but definitely um, behind closed doors talk about those kind of things because children are little sponges and they they take that all in. If they see you showing no respect for the teacher or that, that you don't think their teacher is very smart, that's not going to come across very good at school. And I think even on that little note, um, just watching what we say around our children because everything comes back into school. Um, they'll tell their teachers. Oh, I'm sure the teachers, <laughs> teachers oh. get together in the staff room and go, oh, I can't believe that, you know, so-and-so said this or the things they come out with and repeat. You just go, oh, yep. They it's are ridiculous. Funded. And I've had, oh, funniest, this is kind of off track, but I've had a child bring in like for show and tell and it was the first year of school when they brought in a, um, a pill packet and, explained to the class that this was mummy's calendar and I found it in the bathroom and she has a little lolly every day so she's not going to have any more of us around like oh they're my just gosh. hilarious um so that's I think that's got to be one of the perks of the oh, job just they, the and I love I think that's yeah being a teacher it's so different every day and you never know what they're going to come out with just makes it ah oh, so much worthwhile but I think yeah just Keep that positive homeschool connection. Be involved where you can. And if it's not going in, maybe it's just emailing things, keeping up to date with what's going on and just um, showing that school is important. And if they're, like, doing the homework or keeping up with the notes and those kind of things can get a bit overwhelming at times because, yeah, we still have a life and we still have jobs. But um, showing them that it is important and you are interested, I think, is a big thing. Yeah, I think that's they're such great points particularly the speak positively and also just building benefit of the doubt. You know, I know that yeah. kids say, you know, a teacher said X, like trying and going to them. Okay, well, let's let's try and understand why the teacher was saying that, not automatically going, oh, well, they shouldn't have done that or putting judgment on it, just trying yes. to feel. And same with other children, you know, um, because your kids will be exposed to different kids who may potentially have 
you know, um, different sort of learning abilities or body abilities and things like that. So just trying to build the benefit of the doubt and encouraging our kids to think at things from a more positive angle, that really comes back to the way that we think about things and speak. So I love that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think um, when you said on that note as well, when um, they're coming home saying so-and-so did this to them or um, just getting, yeah, that's their side, but um, getting the other side before we march in there and say so-and-so did this to my child and then we're kind of red-faced and they say, well, actually, this is what happened. (laughs) So just, yeah, listening to your child and, yeah, if there is a problem, going in and talking about it but just holding back and getting the whole picture before we just, yeah, go on our child's side like we are our child's advocate and we need to stick up for them but we're getting all the facts first so we don't embarrass ourselves (laughs) definitely and even you know in conversations I've been having with my two about behaviors you know sometimes they'll come home and they'll say little I'm just using the name Johnny there's no Johnny at their school yeah it's always a Johnny (laughs) yeah we'll just go with Johnny yeah Johnny did this to me today or Johnny said this or said that Often what I'll do with the boys is I'll say, hmm, can you think of a time where you've ever done that? Yes. Like try and get them to understand Johnny's not a bad person. Johnny is just having a moment. <laughs> Johnny's and, having you know, a bad day. Johnny, yeah. he's had a day. And just I think that's so valuable. And sometimes as a parent, you're so tired and it's like, oh, I don't want everything to be a teachable moment. But if you can yes. just catch some of the conversations and go, oh, okay, this is one of those opportunities that I can expand their little mind or the way they look at things. It's so valuable. And at, you know, at this age, when they're in the first year of school, they're learning so much and they're forming such deep beliefs that it really is worth putting in that effort of, um, you know, having the extra dialogue. So I think that the speaking positively, the benefit of the doubt also, as you mentioned, being involved in the community, so whether that's if you have the availability to, you know, do reading for one term at school or, um, you know, at our school we had a term of passion projects. So they'll ask parents to volunteer an afternoon and that sort of thing is helpful because, yes, it's not realistic right now with COVID, but yeah. when, when the world opens back up. <laughs> get involved with the community and the other thing that I was just going to add is the importance of keeping the teacher in the loop with all things I know you mentioned about you know how they go at school but uh, you know as soon as we the as soon as our family dynamic was beginning to change I had to make sure that the school knew that because you know then the teacher knows okay the boys might be a little bit more sensitive because of this topic or you know what I mean? Like just keeping your teachers in the loop if there are any changes going on, whether that's you might have experienced a miscarriage or maybe you're bringing home a, home a baby or moving house, you know, yeah. whatever it is. Let oh, it's so know. true. And even that really personal stuff that you think, I don't need to air my dirty laundry to the world and the teachers, I don't want all the teachers at school knowing about it. And if you're coming to your child's teacher and you're telling them these things, well, that's confidential and it just helps the teacher understand, yeah, why they, why your child is acting a bit differently or is struggling with these things and you can see the reason behind it and maybe, yeah, they're not bringing in their home few weeks because they are separated and they might have been at dad's house or mum's house and you've got that understanding and I think you're a bit more lenient than you know, they've got a lot going on in their lives and homework is not the biggest thing on their radar at the moment. And you kind of mm. just let that 
slide for a while. You just, yeah, until life gets back to normal or whatever their life is, you just kind of work around that. Definitely having that communication and letting them know when things are happening in their lives. And just on the topic of homework, Julie, what do you think about homework for the first year of school? Uh, homework, oh, so lovely. Um, trying to put on my teacher parent hat. Um, when I was just a teacher, I couldn't understand why parents couldn't get the homework done and it was re- like ridiculous. Like this is all you've got to do. Like can't you just get it done and bring it in on time? And then um, I became a parent and I realised, oh, my goodness, I hate my I hate myself for thinking those things. And, yeah, you do have other things in your life to get done. And But I think in the first year of school, reading, and it might not even be school, and you're just reading to your child. Um, and it might just be, I don't know, they're chipping in every now and then with bits they know or maybe they are bringing home readers, which would be brilliant that they've got some at their level and they're having a go and practising all those strategies that you've been doing with them. I think reading, no matter what age, just should be done every night. I even tell my husband, it's five minutes really in the scheme of things. It's not a lot. Just just persevere with it. Um, in that first year, they might bring home reading and maybe some sight words. Um, and I think some parents struggle to even get through those some days just with life gets in the way. Um, but I think it is important that they have, I think, um, for their organisation skills as well, just so they know that this is what happens. I come home, I do a bit of homework. It takes like five or ten minutes. Maybe I might even be doing it in the car or maybe I'm in the shower and I'm like drawing with my finger on my sight words or I'm drawing them in chalk and obviously make it fun any way you can or make it a game any way you can. So it's almost like tricking them into learning. Um, but I think it is very important and I think if it it starts in prep and it's a bit of reading or a bit of sight words or something, it's obviously going to get more and more each year and I think if we try and skip over it in the early years, it's just it just adds to it each year and then they haven't had that experience of doing it or it being a part of their routine. It just gets a bit harder, I think. Yeah. Thank you, Jenna. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, I, mean, I, I think that homework is such a, you know, I'll be very honest, the boys go to a school where they they are encouraged to do their home readers or read each night with the parents, but it is not, um, it's in no way, shape or form strict or really governed. Yeah, mandated, Um, yeah. Yeah, mandated, that's the word. But we've, we've always read. I mean, I was reading to the boys before they were even born I would read books to my belly and we've always done a book every night as part of our bedtime routine so that's we've always read and it's such um one of the things that I'm loving the most now about this age like my boys turn seven this month they read you know they love going to the library they love to read and I'm so so um lit up by that because reading such a joy in my life so I, we do the home readers, we read each night, but we don't do any other homework. And I think that homework is just one of those things that it really varies from school to school because they have friends yes. that are the same age as them who throughout lockdown and throughout the first year of school, they had lots of homework to do. And, you know, the parents were comfortable with it and they had that routine of doing it. So I think it's, you know, I'm I'm on the other end. I'm like, you know what? They've been at school. They've paid attention. Yeah. Let's let them come home and play, and they learn enough through conversation. But I can totally see what you're saying about building that habit of, you know, we do a little bit of schoolwork 
as well at home. So I can respect yeah. that too. I think it's just good for their, yeah, organisation, time management and routine and they just know it's some, it's just a part of school. We come home and I think it's good. Um, we can see what they're doing as well. Like if they're bringing home other work other than reading, we get to see what they're doing in school and we can actually talk to them about those things other than saying, what did you do today? Oh, nothing. Nothing, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember. Like, and you have nothing from them. If you're seeing some work come home, you know what they're actually doing in class and you can base conversations around that a bit as well. Start a bit of dialogue. And that's the yeah, other thing. something. Like, my first, the boys' first year at school, I remember learning very quickly, oh, they don't need to talk in the car on the way home. Like, they just needed to be quiet. They would get in the car and I would say, you know, yes. how was your day? Good. And they would just be quiet for the drive home. And yeah. then they'd come good. But they needed that, like, decompress, like, oh, like just that, I, I guess, that chance to just recalibrate before they could amp back up to play for the afternoon. So for those parents who have little ones going into school for the first time, you might experience that as well, where your child's just zapped and worn out from school and they just need some chill-out time in the afternoon. Yeah, and I think, too, like, school is such a noisy, hectic kind of place that they do need that bit of quiet time. And if you're straight on to them about what did you do today, did you eat all your lunch, did you do this, did you they're like, oh, hold up, like I've just had a whole day of this, people questioning me all day mm. and people, like it's been like this all day and they just need a bit of that quiet downtime and a snack, like they're like starving little monsters as soon as they leave school. Mm-hmm. So I think a bit of quiet, a bit of snack and, yeah, there's plenty of time later to have a chat about the day when they're actually ready. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And perhaps just another thing to add in there for that first year of school for parents is to consider the um, consider protecting your child's free time, like not overscheduling them. Don't, you know, necessarily rush into booking them into sports at the weekend or after school or things like that. Just give them a chance to adjust to this new way of going to school five days a week. Oh, for sure. I remember I, I, I tried to be that awesome parent in term one and my daughter was in her first year of school and she did gymnastics, um, ballet, swimming and this ready, steady go on a weekend. It was ridiculous. And she was so worn out. It did not last the whole term. And I just thought, who is this for? Like, this is clearly not for her. Mm-hmm. Am I trying to be this like trophy parent? Like it was ridiculous. And I said, which ones are we going to give up? And she said, well, I don't really like my ballet teacher. And I said, oh, what do you mean? She goes, she keeps telling me how to dance. I already know how to dance. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay, well, that's clearly not going to work out. (laughs) So we go dancing the flick, which I was happy because I I was very bad at doing the bun up in the hair. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, she she said she wanted to do the gymnastics. She wanted to do handstands and maybe we could try swimming later. And was just like, yeah, cool, let's go with that because – it was really, it was not for her. And she, they're so worn out. Like that first term of school, they just have so much to learn. Like all the rules of the classroom, the school, so many people's names, even their friends' names, and just trying to learn all of those things. And then in their downtime, trying to do all these other activities is just, yeah, it's too much for them. And they're still so little. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I think that this chat has provided so much great food for thought and practical actions that our listeners can take and put into place so that they can for your time today. Before I let you go, I'd love to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions just so our community can get to know you a little bit yeah, better. Sure. 
Awesome. So I would love to know what is one thing that you do for fun that is solely for you? Um, my husband has just got me into F45, like the gym. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't done much exercise for a while, children-wise. I'd go for walks and things like that. So, yeah, F45 in the gym, I get 45 minutes to myself and it's hardcore and the music's loud and it's total me time. And I, all I can focus on is breathing and surviving the class. <laughs> so I don't have time to do my grocery list and other things in my head. So yeah, it's a bit of sweated out, loud music, me time. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I've never done an F45 class, but I have heard that they're quite fun, like high energy music. Uh, instructors are really yeah. encouraging. Yes. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, what is the last show or movie that you watched and loved? Oh, I've just got through Suits. You know the series, Suits? I've never seen it, but I've heard oh, of it. Oh, my goodness. So I think it was in COVID times, all our friends were passing around series. What can we watch? What can we watch? And it's just a Netflix series and there's nine seasons and there's like 15 um, episodes like it took me so like I wasted so many hours of my life um, but it's <laughs> invested like, if you enjoyed it it's invested oh, if I'm ever going to be a lawyer it would be perfect but I just yeah I, I didn't have to think about it it was me time after the kids had gone to bed when I was folding washing so yeah suits <laughs> love that now do you have a habit that you are really proud of proud of oh, a habit that serves you really <laughs> well each day um, I think I've got these little, um, affirmation cards that I stick on my mirror and my daughter, she's got into it as well. So she's six and she's taken half my pack and sticks them on her mirror and they are very cute. And she'll come in and, um, she'll say, mine says I have to shine bright today. How will I do that? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is what it's going to look like when you're shining bright today. And then she'll say, how are you going to shine bright today, mom? So it's just it's cute and oh, it's things you wouldn't that. think of unless they were written on the card, I think. So they're little, yeah, I think um, I think it's from habit. Kiki K, little affirmations. Yeah, it's so funny. So nice. Yeah. Now, do you have a habit on the flip side that is annoying, like like a habit that drives your family insane? Oh, probably a million. Um, we'll take just one. <laughs> <laughs> Where do I start? Um I think it started off as very annoying, but I think, I don't know, they might be coming around. So we, we have um, a meal planner and all the meals that, like, I sit on the weekend and they're set for the week. And I have this theory of um, cook once, eat twice. So we have the same meal over two nights. Like, it's Taco Tuesday. So tonight we've got leftovers from tacos. And I think because we just got so much stuff after school that if I – only have to cook oh, every I other night. That. Like it's just so helpful. And I think it was always like, oh, leftovers. Oh, I don't want that tonight. I'm like, well, that's what it's on the board. Like it's set. That's all we're doing. But I think <laughs> I'm coming a bit more flexible with it. And I think they're, they're getting oh, look, a bit more. But yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm all for anything that reduces resistance and streamlines. Oh, so yes, I, I hate that. What are we eating tonight? I don't know. What do you want? I don't know. I'm like, oh, it's killing me. And we would get so much taste away and yeah yeah I so love that that's great <laughs> um do you have a book that you recommend or 
um, you know, perhaps one that you come back to and continually read? Oh, what's the one that I'm reading at the moment? Um, oh, God, I have such a huge pile of books beside my bed. Um, oh, what it's called. <laughs> it's in the caravan at the moment because I read it over the weekend. Um, it's by, oh, okay, I'll have to think about that one. That's Other okay. Ones, I was just going to say, any that you've really loved in the past that you would recommend our community consider grabbing? I mean, we're going to have your book listed in the show notes and those other ones that we touched on as well for the children. But I just find sometimes our guests will say, oh, I've read this book on this topic and, you know, it shifted the way I thought or, you know, a great novel. Yes, yeah. Um, I'm into my room on my main ones. Oh, actually... One that I read recently was the Marie Kondo. Is that her name? Oh, With yeah. The Spark organized, Joy. Yeah, Spark Joy. And so all our drawers now are all sitting upright so we can see all our clothing. Um, <laughs> so I guess that was one that really hit me at the moment and just trying to get, well, there's so much craziness happening in our lives. It kind of just has us a bit more organized. That's, um, a, great, that's a great book for um, isolation vibes. Oh yeah, I, I think that's even when I house. started it. Yeah, just getting in there and having something to do and tidying up our life, even though we couldn't go outside and things like that. Um, well, it gives you a sense of control. That outer control gives you a sense of inner control. Yeah, I think so. Um, and last but not least, do you have a favorite quote that you live by, or favorite? Yeah, favorite quote or saying or affirmation. Um, probably, I think it's the one on the bookmark. And so I made a little bookmark to go with my book and it's, um, the way we talk to our children becomes their inner voice. So I think, and I just, I I think it's, I did it more for me than anything else that I really have to stop every now and then and, um, watch the language I'm using or watch how I'm saying things because, they just take everything to heart and even um, not even with my children, like with my co-workers or with my family, just, um, yeah, watching how we talk to people because they really, it becomes that inner voice and they, yeah, take it to heart. So, yeah. Absolutely. That's such a powerful one to keep in mind. Um, well, Julie, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. As I mentioned, I will make sure we have some links to your um, your book and your website as well in our show notes because your website is um, Is there anywhere else that you'd like us to send our community? Um, I just do have, a, yeah, a lot of things on the website, that preppingforschoolsuccess.com, a lot of free things on that they can look at if they hit on all the links, just good children's books that maybe it's for starting school or maybe it's for if your child's got anxiety or friendship issues there's books under each heading and it's just um after 15 years of teaching like the kids like these books and they engage with them and I think as a parent as well having to read them like it's enjoy they're enjoyable for me as well um just little things like that um I guess um, on my Instagram, putting stuff up there. It's juliedor.author. Um, but yeah, it's always 
I try and post things on there each day and a lot of the time it's more uh, motivation for me, just a reminder of things. Um, they might be about teaching or parenting or just about life in general. It's just, yeah, just to kind of remind me each day or there might just be photos of my family doing things or my kids and just, yeah, this is real, this is life, this is what it looks like. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure that we've got that in the show notes. Um, and again, thank you so much for your time. I'm sure that this will provide a lot of valuable food for thought for our listeners. Awesome. Thanks, Kylie. It was so great talking to you. Thanks for joining me and listening to this week's episode of the podcast. If you've enjoyed this content and are looking to dive deeper into the support that the Kind Parenting Company offers parents and caregivers, you will love the range of programs we have available. The range includes online programs for supporting baby and toddler sleep, most suitable for babies aged 0 to 24 months, and also Toddler Life, which is a guide for those raising children aged 2 to 4 years. Each program comes with access to video and audio files, as well as the opportunity to join the community forums. Podcast listeners receive 20% off all programs. Simply visit the Kind Parenting Company website and use the code KPCPODCAST20, that's KPCPODCAST20, at checkout. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.